HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm hosting my first repeat guest, Miguel Leal, co-founder and CEO of Somos, a new U.S.-based Mexican food company bringing delicious and authentic food from the heart of Mexico. Somos products are made in Mexico using inspiration from family recipes that have been passed down through generations. They're plant-based, non-GMO, and ready to heat and eat in 10 minutes or less. You can purchase Somos and convenient kits at eatsomos.com and find their individual ready-to-heat pouches coming soon to grocery stores, including Kroger and Sprouts. Miguel, yay! Hi, Aline. Hi! I'm so happy that you are not only the first person to be my second guest, um, or I guess the guest coming for a second time, but this is our 150th episode of this podcast. So it feels very fitting that we have a guest of your stature as, you know, part two and also 150. Well, Thanks for having me again, and also congratulations, 150 episodes. I know, it's crazy. It's a little embarrassing, I have to say. You know, going back and listening to, like, what I asked in, like, July of 2018, um, which I'm assuming, you know, in three years from now, I'll probably be like, oh, my gosh, like, (laughs) that was a ridiculous question. Um, But at least, you know, it makes people hopefully not feel intimidated by this whole crazy world of, you know, consumer packaged goods, you know? Well, I love your podcast, but especially during the pandemic, because as you and I have talked, we didn't have a chance to connect with uh, our peeps in the industry. There were no trade shows. There were no really opportunities to meet in person. And uh, and it was great just to listen to you and your guests 
not only make everybody smarter, but also see what everybody's been up to. So, oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, I mean, I learned something every single week. I really, this is one of the most fun parts of my job. Um, but especially, you know, segueing into you, um, you know, you spent your career in marketing at Danone, Diamond Foods, Frito-Lay, Kind Snacks, and most recently as the CMO at Cholula. Um, you are, you know, a wealth of knowledge and experience. And so, you know, the opportunity to get to speak to you is just always, you know, precious. Um, and for emerging brands who are listening to this, you know, this is just like when you sharpen your pencils, basically everyone. Um, so the last time we spoke, uh, Cholula, I think had just sold to McCormick. Um, were you plotting and planning when we were on, I, it was, I look back, it was January, 2021, where I interviewed you last. Um, were, did you know this was going to be happening? Were you thinking you were going to go to another brand? Did you think you were going to, you know, start something on your own? Like, how did this even come about? Yeah, no, I actually, the idea behind Somos, uh, Daniel, my partner and I have been talking about it for quite some time. I think it was probably two, three years before our podcast in January of last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, both of us grew up in Mexico. Both of us are first generation immigrant. Both of us are Mexican American. And both of us were living in New York. We were friends before we worked together at Kind. Interesting. And, so and just so everyone knows, Daniel is the founder of Kind. Yeah. Um, and has now become sort of a bit of a celebrity. He is. He's yeah. both. I think <laughs> he's the best uh, founder in food and, you know, learn a lot from him. Yeah. He's been a friend. He's been a mentor. And now we are co-founders. Amazing. But, but also, I think, you know, now he's a shark on, on Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. And probably this was the precursor to Shark Tank because we would be pitching ideas to each other right. on, on businesses that, you know, we wanted to do and some crazy things like, cafes and bathrobes and really we always kept coming back to this idea of Mexican food yeah and it had a lot to do we both you know living in New York love to go out to restaurants and we saw how Mexican food was changing you know Mexican food went from you know chichis and chewies mm -hmm. to Cosme and Taqueria Numero Uno mm -hmm. and uh, and we just saw it become a lot more authentic a lot fresher uh, you know, to in our opinion, sometimes we would get food as delicious, if not more, than what we could get back at home. Amazing. And, and as grocery people, the two of us, it just really frustrated us mm -hmm. that restaurants were evolving so much, and yet grocery was the shelf exactly was was exactly the same. And as you know, sometimes the best ideas come from the things that frustrate you the most. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering just you know how much of sort of like the political, you know, rhetoric, nonsense, garbage affected any of your thought process also, <laughs> you know, just trying to shine a different type of light than perhaps the administration, you know, did. 
Yeah, there is there is a little bit of that. I mean, I don't have any statistics, you know, mm-hmm. to share, but I do feel like Mexican food is more popular than Mexican culture mm. in the U.S. You know, Mexican food is now the number one ethnic food in the U.S. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, it surpassed Italian food, and now it's close to $80 billion business. And, you know, we say in Mexico that the, you know, par- paraphrasing, but that the fastest way through the heart is through the stomach. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, our objective with Somos is to bring you know, delicious food in a convenient way that is authentic, but also we want to bring a little bit of Mexican culture. Our our mission is yeah. to bring the best of Mexico to the world. And we start with food, but, but you know, if we achieve our objectives, we want to be more than that. Yeah, you know, and I wish I had actually asked. So Courtney, you know, who's our brand director is, you know, has a massive crush on the brand, but also... There's something in the direct-to-consumer package that she got at the end of it or something that like reminded her. There, There's something that you guys put in there that sort of like speaks to that. It's like there's something from the heart. It's not just you're just not getting the kit. And I don't remember what it was, but it definitely like it made her like teary-eyed. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think it was... <laughs> the paleta with mango that had chili because yeah. it reminded her of her grandmother mm-hmm. sending him her packages from home mm-hmm. uh, to the U.S. And, uh, and we want to do a little bit of that. You know, we are partnering yeah. with other Mexican food brands and this is not something that you buy. It's a surprise and delight mm-hmm. that we put into every box. And, and yeah, just trying to again, share a little bit of that experience like Courtney and her abuela had, mm-hmm. you know, with everybody. And, yeah. uh, and that is, I think, the best the best of our culture. So after you and Daniel, and you brought in a third co-founder, Rodrigo, also from Kind, um, if I'm correct, yeah? Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, okay, we're going to do this. Yay. And then what was the next step? I mean, how did you divide and conquer? What were sort of the roles that assigned to each, you know, each of you? How did you, you know, you're in a different position, obviously, than a lot of the brands that are listening because, you know, you you had great established track records you know, my guess is that you weren't out there, you know, asking friends and family for, you know, can you put $5,000 toward my packaging kind of thing. But you still had to start at the beginning. Um, So what was the beginning for you guys? Yeah, so, you know, I think a couple of things happened to us that set us up really nicely. You Mm -hmm. know, the first piece is, uh, you know, kind of like the, the second transaction uh, you know, from kind to Mars happened the same week mm. that we exited uh, Cholula to McCormick. Yeah, that's amazing. So I think a little bit like friends that exit together stay together mm-hmm. or are meant to be together. Yeah, for sure. But if we go to step one, you know, Daniel and I just coming from kind and, and the ethos of kind, we knew that we wanted to have, you know, the most delicious and healthiest recipe in the market. So 
Rodrigo became key. Rodrigo was kind head of innovation, mm -hmm. I want to say from 12 or 14 years. Wow. And he had a little bit taking some time off. And for family reasons, he was living in Mexico, in Guadalajara, with his family. And he's just such a special guy, not only, you know, a wonderful friend and person to work with, but he comes from a family of chefs. Mm. And he <laughs> has this plethora of recipes, knows how to scale up brands, you know, from oh my his gosh. 10 years plus experience. And he's living in Mexico. Right, so, so you can find supply chain there. And, and that's amazing. Wow. Yeah, so that was just, you know, I want to say that stars align and sometimes life reassures you that you're on the right path. Mm -hmm. and, and Rodrigo coming on board was part of that. I had tried to hire him at <laughs> Cholula a year before, and he didn't want to do it. But this idea really spoke to him. Well, speaking before we get into the other stars aligning, also the one of the differences, I mean, I think, you know, to, so everyone is, you know, I don't know that I don't think I have to disclose this, but Miguel is one of my investors. <laughs> and so I do call him for advice quite frequently. But one of the things that, um, you know, when we were talking about sort of my org chart, and I was like stressing over operations, I think you said you were launching with like, I'm going to exaggerate. It was something like 26 SKUs and eight co-packers or something like that internationally or something like, I'm sure that's not the right number, but you're not, you're doing more than, you know, a little and you're doing it in a couple of different places. Am I correct? Yes. No, exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I think sometimes, again, just this might be the the story of Somos, but life, you know, keeps pointing you into a direction. Mm -hmm. And for us, you know, when we see the quote unquote ethnic aisle or the Mexican food set or the Tex-Mex set, we really wanted to change the perception of that set. Right. Yeah. And, and part of it was, you know, on the taste and convenience, part of it was, Health. you know, right. on, on the recipe, but part of it was by creating a digitally first brand. Mm -hmm. And and that's really what drove uh, the skills. I think if we had launched, you know, 10 years ago and do a traditional retail first launch, we would have started, you know, like, like we did with uh, Cholula or like we did with Havens, you know, with right. a set of skills in one category. But here to create that package that Courtney received that made her so happy, we needed to have rice and we needed to have beans and we needed to have salsas and we needed to have tortillas. At the beginning, we didn't want to bring all the skews to retail immediately. We actually... Right. You know, we have tortillas and we have chilaquiles chips and we have several items that are only in e-commerce. But when we went to our retail partners and we they tasted the recipes, we were just blown away by the by the acceptance. And I think that that drove the SKU proliferation that now we are facing in retail. But yeah, it's uh, 26 items. Oh, my gosh. Uh, 16 available at launch in retail wow. across four co-packers. Okay, I wasn't that far off. 
all of it international. So, <laughs> it, so it's definitely we are, uh, you know, very lucky to have a talented team that yeah. uh, can make that happen. I definitely want to get back to the the. You almost flipped something on its head by thinking about where am I going to sell this and what makes the most sense for something, and then backed into the to the assortment a little mm -hmm. bit, which I think is a really interesting thing for people who are mapping this out right now to do. So I do want to get back to that, but I also definitely cut you off when you were talking about <laughs> the stars aligning and sort of back to step one. You knew you you were able to bring in Rodrigo. You know, Daniel was able to give more of his time because of the kind exit. You know, then what? Yeah. So actually, you know, with Cholula, mm -hmm. uh, McCormick, you know, they are just you know great buyer, great company, mm -hmm. integrating. They've done really well with that brand, but we had an incredibly talented team from Cholula that suddenly became available. All of them rock stars, all of us have worked together in the past. Everybody, and this was critical, you and I have talked about it on our, you know, uh, Heaven Kitchens call. Everybody with experience working with co-packers across the border. Mm -hmm. So immediately on my day one, I was able, you know, to come into Somos with you know, a great head of supply chain, head of finance, and head of retail sales, which, you know, not not every founder has the possibility, especially this year, to do that. And, uh, right. and I don't think we could have launched, you know, six months after, no. you know, without that talented team, you know, being being available and, and honestly being in love with the idea and, and, and trusting kind of like the vision that we had for this business. Yeah. And and that left us with two job opens, which right. was our head of digital and our head of marketing. And and we were able to, you know, be joined by two very talented, kind alumni, mm -hmm. uh, Kevin and Anna, who Daniel and I have worked in the past and, you know, very, you know, remarkable professionals, but also a lot of fun to work with, you know, people that we personally missed, you know, being able to go to work every day with. Yeah, so, that's amazing. So just, you know, incredibly lucky. And, and I take it as a sign that this business was meant to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, me too. It's it's amazing. And I mean, going back to those functions, you know, you and I talk a lot about it, like, you know, on on a smaller budget, on a smaller scale, you know, a lot of us start off with outsourced sales, outsourced finance, even outsourced ops. Like, you know, I've had Zach from Rodeo on here. Everyone knows I love them. Um, how did you, you know, were you like, okay, these are the key functions that I need. These, this is, this is the chart. And then I'm going to plug people in. Or even at your size, did you find that there were things kind of in between two buckets and you weren't quite sure where they were going to go? Like, how did you map out the organization, I guess, you know, from uh, the get-go? For me, I really follow the blueprint that Cholula had. I think okay. Cholula is probably the most efficient organization that I've worked with. You know, we... We had a great run of that business and we yeah. had a wonderful exit. And 
you know, we have, you know, almost 35 people in the entire organization and almost, you know, a million dollars in EBITDA per employee, which I think it's a great measure of, uh, of efficiency and how well that, that business was run and how well the organization was designed. The key difference between Cholula and I, no two organizations are the same, right. is that the Cholula had a very robust food service, service. and important operation. Yep. We don't, but we have a big e-commerce right. uh, ambition. So swapping the e-commerce yep. for the for food, food service, service yep. we basically build the bones Right. of the organization with, with these people. And at the beginning, you know, these are people that probably came from another organization where they had direct reports, but everybody was willing, you know, because everybody's owner on of the business to mm-hmm. get their hands dirty and do the job from zero and maybe do, you know, things they hadn't done before. But with that comes a lot of learning and a lot of opportunity to scale up as you know, revenues are starting to come in this year. So right. we felt we had a good blueprint, which we complemented with some freelancers, mm-hmm. but at least we have, I thought these six individuals that we could scale up, you know, post a hundred million in revenue and they, you know, could manage that and then some. So I have finance, supply chain, retail sales, marketing and e-com what's the sixth <laughs> there's uh, i'm missing one is there another uh, operations person in there no 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 it's rodrigo it's product oh product right yes. amazing so, okay that, so everyone that's like you can tune off now you just got the secret <laughs> to building a great cpg brand i'm actually not going to end the podcast now but i am going to take a quick break and we'll be back um, and hear more about the details we'll be right back this episode is brought to you by roberta's home of heritage radio network for 10 years roberta's was founded in bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm back with Miguel Leal from Somos. Um, okay, so you had your people. And, and now let's get back into sort of what you said earlier, which I think is really interesting. So 
you knew that you wanted to have a robust direct-to-consumer business. And I guess part of my question is, you know, because you see it as a great marketing awareness builder, because you think that you should be at, you know, 30%, 40% of sales from that channel, because you think that it tells the story, like, because it's mostly, you know, it's easier for you to, to hit the ground running and ramp up quicker. Like, what was the, I'm sure it's a combination of a bunch of things, but why? Yeah, if, if I oversimplify it, I think all of us, you know, look at our current challenges through the lenses of what have worked for us in the past. Mm-hmm. And when I think of, you know, Kind and Cholula and Kettle, we always have a marketing engine that was very robust. You know, in the case of Kind, and a lot has been written about it, it was field marketing and sampling. You know, yeah. if you if you remember the first time yeah, the, I the had bands, a Kind yeah. bar, mm-hmm. I had like no idea what they were going to taste like. You know, they 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 didn't look pressed. They didn't look like something that came out of a machine, but were they going to be too hard? You know, they were also had the transparent wrappers. Mm -hmm. And the more that Daniel and the kind team sampled, the more the company grew. And that became the engine of the company. At Cholula, it was food service, you know. Having it on the table in the bottles, yeah. Exactly. I personally, the first time I had Cholula, I was at a diner, I put on my eggs, I thought it was delicious. And consumers just fell in love with the iconic packaging and the wooden cap and then go and buy it in, in, in retail. For us is these kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talk to these consumers that started doing Taco Tuesday during the pandemic, they want something more authentic, but they don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. They don't have the time to buy you know, beans in a bag and leave them soaking overnight. Yep, yep. They don't know, you know, how to cook it, you know, where, which tortillas to buy. So we created these kits. Everything comes ready to heat. You will have your meal done for four in less than 10 minutes. And, mm-hmm. you know, what we love about it is two things. First of all, our hypothesis is you're going to fall in love with one or two of our recipes. And then when you go to the you know, grocery store, yeah, that's going to become your go-to product. But the other piece mm-hmm. is we always include, like we were talking earlier, you know, a paleta. We always include a, a you know, a trip to Mexico or what are oh what is the forecast, <laughs> you know, in, in the towns that we're in or a conversation with a Mexican chef. On our last one, we included a playlist of Mexican music that you can tune in while you are cooking. So it also allows us to be a little bit more than that. You know, Mm -hmm. we are not, we don't want to bring something to market that already exists. We really want to create, you know, something that doesn't exist in this category. I mean, first of all, like, there's so many things that I, I'm like, I, I have like, chills on my arms because I'm just thinking like, first of all, what an incredible nugget of wisdom. Just find what, you know, we always talk about, it's never been easier to start a brand, right? You can, and and some people would argue like, you're not actually starting a brand, you're starting a business and it becomes a brand over time when people actually relate to it, right? But however you mince the words, 
it's very competitive out there and there's a lot of good ideas and, you know, people can throw website pages up and start fulfilling things out of their basement like tomorrow, but it's very hard to, because it's, there's so much out there, it's very hard to, to bust through that noise. And candidly, there are a lot of businesses that had a lot of marketing dollars thrown at them that never were able to bust through that noise, you know, that spent a lot and never really, you know, got to the heart of people. But what you're saying is that you, you're not just spending that on really cool activations or, you know, you're, you're finding one secret sauce marketing engine, whether it's like in, you know, Kindest Field or Cholula's Food Service, in your case, it's kids. And then everything becomes, that becomes like your reason for existence almost. And then everything flows from that, which is really, really cool. And I haven't heard anyone say anything close to that in 150 episodes. So that's yeah. just like, that just kind of blew my mind. And then for that to be your thing where you're you're literally giving gifts to people in a way that's connecting them to the brand on top of the fact that you have this product that makes their lives easier and more fun and delicious and they can hit the cravings that they want without the work. I mean, it's just brilliant. It's amazing. And then yeah. it and then it decided for you which co-packers and which products and how to take it all to market. I mean, it's like it's kind of at the top of everything. It sounds like. Yeah, no, I mean, a hundred percent. I think you know I couldn't have said it better. But you know, we just tried to build a very consumer-centric organization from the beginning, and yeah. and it started with that experience, and that that experience everything else get driven for that. So we are not trying to launch a lot of skills so we can, you know, grow the business and mm -hmm. have enough money, you know, so we reduce our burn rate. We're trying to give the consumer the best possible experience and go above and beyond. And, you know, we'll see where that takes us. And then everything else becomes a function of that. Yeah, on, no, I think on, that's amazing on opening, you know, the marketing engine, but also of, of telling, and I think maybe this is the nuance, Ali, on telling the story of food from the heart of Mexico through that engine yeah. and just push that idea, push that idea until, you know, I think we can ride that engine and that idea for 10 years. Yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, consumers like what they see and and they will tell us, which is, again, the beauty of the... Well, that's where your insights and, you know, all of your amazing experience comes in, too. Exactly. So two questions, then. One is on the operation side, and one is on the sales side. So I totally understand the engine, and I totally understand just... I understand the nugget. I really do, and I think it's amazing. And then I'm thinking, okay, from a logistics perspective there had to be some pretty big learnings when you're building out a supply chain for 26 unique ingredients or products in not in the US especially during sort of supply chain gate of you know 2021 you know 
I would imagine there were some challenges building out that supply chain to support this thing. And I guess if you can offer sort of what they were and if there were any sort of big learnings for you, you know, if you can share them. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I I think when we started this conversation and when we started the company, you know, the the thought of creating a supply chain that didn't exist was very daunting. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of these, you know, products, you know, that are, you know, made in Mexico, they are natural, but they don't have a lot of the certifications mm-hmm. that we need or that consumers are expecting in the US market. Mm-hmm. You know, to give you an example, because sometimes an example is the best way to illustrate a point. But uh, on rice, you know, rice is naturally gluten free. Mm-hmm. So are the peppers that go into our salsas. But they can get cross contaminated in the trucks that bring the rice into the co packing facility. Mm-hmm. And we had to build all that, a lot of that supply chain to get the certifications from scratch. And it was, a lot of work. I think it was, you know, very helpful that Rodrigo, Daniel, and I are, are all Mexicans, mm-hmm. and you know, we have had these relationships in Mexico. And at least on the relationship side, we were not starting from scratch. But now that has had a huge payoff because, you know, when you create something from scratch, mm-hmm. a lot of it you're basically the first and only client, in other words, of yep. that supply chain. So through supply gate, we've actually <laughs> been pleasantly surprised because we are not competing. We've had our issues. They've mostly been on the on the packaging side, but on the capacity mm-hmm. and on the sourcing, uh, we just had, you know, wonderful partners. And I think we've we put ourselves in a position, you know, to to win there. I think the relationships, not only with the co-packers, but also with the family farms. Right. that grow our produce have really paid off this year. And, and you know, on the retail side, when, when you can come in and, and, you know, they are giving you a certain number of stores and, you know, they ask you about your supply chain and you can tell them that you can do five, 10 times more the number mm-hmm. of stores. You know, we we really have been pleasantly surprised with the distribution for this year. Yeah, I think, you know, I keep hearing sort of, you know, defensible, I think is the word, supply chain. You know, like it, there are, there are, I always talk about companies like I talk about my kids and, you know, fortunately they don't really listen to this podcast so I can <laughs> say what I want, but, you know, one thing I learned very early on having a lot of children is that the same things that are your assets are also your liabilities, right? If you are really, really creative, that's an asset, but it also means that sometimes you don't necessarily pay attention. Or if you're really friendly, sometimes that means that you get hurt more easily, right? Like your assets are your liabilities and your liabilities are your assets. The things that make you strong are also the things that are watchouts for you as a human, I find. And I think it's kind of the same with a business, right? Like, you know, having your own, having a product that is easy to find multiple co-packers to make is an asset in a lot of ways, but it can also be a liability when, you know, you're not, you're not anyone's special customer. 
it gives you optionality, but it doesn't necessarily give you, you know, first place anywhere. For us, you know, we have a very special relationship with our co-packer and an exclusive line, but it's also something we have to be careful of because all our eggs are in their basket. And it's just always, you know, in life, trying to build up your assets and get the most out of your assets and mitigating the troubles that can come when those things turn into liabilities is kind of like the whole game. Just trying to like maximize the good stuff and mitigate, you know, the trouble stuff. So it sounds like, you know, while you went through, you didn't take the easy way and just kind of get things set up from the beginning. It took a little longer perhaps to build these, you know, build these supply chain, you know, bricks out. You're seeing the rewards of that now um which i think is just a really good lesson again for emerging brands like we had midday squares on here and you know jake was talking about they built a plant you know and that was a huge risk and very expensive and i'm certainly not suggesting that everyone should go do that but it turned out to be a big asset for them whereas like people that are doing you know maybe just other categories like they should find co-packers that, you know, they should have like a nice deep bench of co-packers who can make what they make because they're going to need it or, you know, whatever the alternative would be. Um, did you, aside from sort of like the, it being worth the sweat equity of building out the supply chains, did you, were you surprised by anything or by anything being harder than you thought it would be? You know, I think, I was surprised at Cholula and how much we we were able to excel in supply chain with manufacturing in Mexico during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mexico as a place to manufacture, especially Mexican food, was very resilient during a time mm. where the hot sauce category grew 70%. Mm -hmm. You know, it had, uh, you know, uh, a willing and, you know, very exceptional labor force, mm -hmm. great source of raw materials. And, and right now, you know, the currency plays a big role, you know, in terms of inflation protection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, I think that's where a lot of the learning came through. And and you know, you add a little bit of of the experience that we had at Kind on on how you know we you know Daniel and the team grew with their co-packers supply chain and manufacturing partners through 15, 17 years of the business. Yeah. And and I you know we just try to not make you know the same <laughs> mistake twice. Yeah. And you know if we knew some things work in the past and and I felt you know that really that really paid up for us. Amazing. Okay, so the second question, based on, you know, I said, I get the engine, two big questions. One was on the supply chain, and, and one is on the retail side. So you have 26 SKUs, um, and you said 16 of them are available, I believe you said, in grocery stores, or will be, or is it the other way around? 16, yeah, 
16 yep. in retail. Um, are you meeting with several different buyers at every store because different category merchants have different of those 16? Are you, are there retailers that want things that you're like, no, that's actually only exclusively for direct to consumer? Like, how, you know, for me, it's very simple. Here are my, you know, eight sauces that I'm talking to one buyer. They're either going to pick four or five, hopefully six, you know, it's, there's not a lot of complexity to it. And I'm, I'm aware that that will get more complex. Um, But how, how does it work? Or, Or, I mean, for you on the retail side? Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a surprise. I think you know when we started, we had an idea of what we wanted to create with Somos. You know, we wanted to have a brand block of our you know power eight items that you know we were gonna have everywhere. Mm-hmm. But you know, we've learned a lot from the conversations with retailers. I think we are very lucky. You know, between you know. Daniel, my co-founder, Nick, our head of sales, myself, we we just have, you know, great relationships with the retail along, you know, we we are lucky that we have a national broker mm-hmm. as well. And uh, and we've been learning a lot, you know, I think, you know, a couple of pieces that come to mind, you know, yeah. the first one is, you know, you right now, a lot of traffic is coming to the Tex-Mex aisle. And there is, you know, you go to these stores, you know, next time that you're in a supermarket and count the number of taco shells that are on the shelf. Mm -hmm. I counted them here, the one close to my office, and there were 62 skews of taco shells, but nothing to put inside them. Right. So think about like, if you were to, to the cheap aisle and there were no salsas or mm-hmm. the hot dog aisle, and there were no buns. Yeah. Right. So I think that was a, the first thing that we learned. You know, the first uh, retail partner that came on board uh, was Kroger, and they gave us that insight, and they, you know, were you know very quick to give us very positive firma feedback on our rice, on our sorry, on our beans, right, and our picadillos, which is our uh, plant-based taco filling that is cooked with vegetables and sauces, and and honestly, based on that, you know, I I take uh, their feedback with such respect. I just thought that was the way that everything was gonna go. Right. But then we started talking with other retailers. You know, everybody had a different point of view. Mm-hmm. I think you know, I think universally, you know, our salsas and our chips have been incredibly successful but you know we've we've gone with you know great retailers that were a dream to be in their stores and you know they loved our rices they love you know our beans they Mm -hmm. love different products and so far you know what I thought was going to be a liability which was my second point Ali yeah has become an asset because you really don't know what is in the agenda or in the priorities for, you know, a retailer in the Southeast versus a retailer in Texas, right? And and what came out was that by us having this 
all these excuses developed for D2C, mm -hmm. and, and I'm knocking on wood as we speak, but we haven't had any meetings that have been a no. Right. Every single meeting that we've had on our list of, you know, top 10 and top 20 accounts, we've come out with someone giving us an opportunity. Amazing. Not everybody has taken all the skews, right. but two or four or six of our skews have fit perfectly with one of their strategies. Right. It's so interesting. It's kind of like you're giving them a menu in a way you know, you could build it out this way, just chips and salsa, or you could build it out this way where we create a brand block and we give you things to like put in those taco shells, you know, or you could build it out this way. Um, and I mean, I know, you know, Nick sounds amazing, but how are you leaning hard on the broker, I guess, to figure out who the right, I mean, obviously it sounds to me like you, you, you start with the Tex-Mex buyer, but you're going into other categories also. So is it just sort of, do you have a big Excel sheet where you have like retailer category, who's the person when, you know, I mean, it just, it feels like, again, kind of overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I have talked about it, but the other piece that worked out great for us was that we were able, uh, because we're not competitive to bring you know, our distributor and our broker from Cholula into mm -hmm. Somos. So this is someone that crushed it for us in the past, right. you know, great OTF rates, you know, best in class through the pandemic that trusts us. And to answer your question, at the beginning of the conversation, they were really pushing us towards this, you know, Tex-Mex IO mm -hmm. introduction of the brand. And, and I, I'm going to say that at this point, uh, you know, the jury is still out. I think, you know, half of our placement is there mm -hmm. and half of our, you know, buyer partners, retail partners are, are putting us, our rice is in the rice aisle, mm -hmm. our beans on the beans aisle, and our chips and salsa on the chips and salsa aisle. So we are monitoring closely. I think the good thing is everybody seems very excited to bring some innovation to the set. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think one hypothesis on one route to market is going to work better than the other one. And then we'll just want to have mm -hmm. to, you know, pivot and uh, yeah. yes, and, and do more of what works and less of what works less. So I'd like now that we've covered all of operations and supply chain and sales, I'd like to go back to sort of, you know, what, what I call you on a lot, which is, you know, Real, really the brand building, you know, going back to your, you have a mantra. It's, you know, food from the heart of Mexico. You are using every tool at your disposal to ladder up to that, to that why, to that mission. Mm -hmm. um, and you and I have also talked about, you know, that an identity isn't just, you know, what's on your package or how your website looks. So I'd love for you to just sort of say, again, map it out. Like, what does that, how do you take the mission and the reason for your existence and then think about it as it, as it manifests itself across building the brand? You know, are yeah. there, are there ways that you think about it or? No, totally. You know, uh, 
uh, uh, I'll tell you, but I also love to give you an example. I like um, examples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, our mission is to bring the best of Mexico to the world, okay. right? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you were talking just going back, you know, a year or two ago on how, you know, Mexico was portrayed and mm -hmm. as a Mexican immigrant during that period of time, you know, yeah, it's just sad because it's a country that has so much to offer, food being, being a part of it. So that's really our mission, you know. And our, you know, our tagline is food from the heart of Mexico. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, when a consumer comes and it's at the shelf and they are looking at the different beans or salsas that are available, we want to do that job better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So that, that is a way that I separate the mission from just the consumer facing tagline. Got it. They, they, they are the same, but everything has to ladder up. To, to the best, you know, bringing the best of Mexico to the world. To the world. And, um, so for example, in our packaging, okay? Yep. So our, each of our individual pouches are based on a Mexican contemporary art form that is called alebrijes, okay? Mm -hmm. And alebrijes is where all these different patterns and mm -hmm. colors come together, different colors and different patterns to make something even more beautiful. Like mm -hmm. I think maybe the movie Coco has mm -hmm. made, you know, the best use of this, you know, form of art. And what we loved about it is that everything is painted by hand uh, by an artist in Monterrey. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and then all these differences come together from the pouches into the box that we right. use for D2C. And it's very much in our ethos of the Somos brand that differences together make something more beautiful. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, you know, we were using the, the example of Courtney, but so many people, mm -hmm. when they see that box arrive to their office or their home, it really brings a smile to their face. Yeah. It's not you know, like a box from Amazon right. or a box from, you know, other brand, right? And, yeah. and, and, and you know, it, it really fulfills the mission in the box, in the packaging, in the playlist that we're mm -hmm. giving to you to, to listen to, in our booth at Expo. I can't. You know, even, all I'm like sad I'm not going to Expo only to because I'd be missing your booth. <laughs> like I actually I feel this like very big sense of relief that I'm not going to expo except I would really like to see your booth but maybe uh, you'll snap a picture for me I, I will bring the booth to you okay. Next time I'm <laughs> okay well I mean sooner or later we'll just be able to do it like on you know virtual reality or whatever but yeah um no I mean you're so you're just taking it and it and it and every single strand that flows. Yeah. And so what are some of the other, you know, what were some of, you know, decisions that you made where you were like, you know what, this doesn't really feel like we're bringing the best of Mexico to the world. Or like, if we did it this way, this would really speak to the, to that mission a little better. Like, is there anything that comes to mind where it, yeah. it served as a guardrail? Absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> endless number 
of examples. I think, you know, the formulation of the product was a big one. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just kept playing with the formula. I mean, something as simple as beans, mm-hmm. the texture, you know, you know better than mm-hmm. everybody, can change dramatically mm-hmm. based on the number of whole beans and half beans yep. that you use in your recipe. For sure. Uh, same thing with rice. I'll tell you, the website was probably a big one. You, you've been to our website. Mm-hmm. I think our website, you know, Kevin just did a fantastic job. It's fast, it's beautiful, it's, you know, stunning, but it also tells you how is the weather in <laughs> Mexico City and how is the weather in Todos Santos and yeah. what is the newest, coolest beach to vacation in Mexico. And if you are going through our website, there's a place that you can click and you can get the cost of a flight for the weekend so to go into right. the country. And, and and I think that is the piece that it is so great about our relationship, let's call it, you know, between the team here at Somos right. and, 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 you know, the, the, the board or the advisor or our investors that, that Daniel, you know, my partner, he is the one that pushes us that every single thing is fulfilling the mission mm-hmm. of, of, of bringing the best of Mexico to the world and that we never get tired of telling the story for, of food from the heart of Mexico to the consumers. It's amazing. I have, I'm sure you had this idea, but I just, you just said something. So if you decide to do it, it's, you know, my gift to you. <laughs> I'm sure you've had the idea if it's not already on there. But you know how, do you remember how, like, I think it was Hollister, they had a live cam of a beach in LA. Like it was like yeah. Laguna Beach or something. And like in Times Square, wherever it was, you could walk by and like, you could just stand in front of the thing and you were actually looking at the waves at that moment. Like is you could actually have something on your website where you you're like, I can't take a flight to Mexico, but I can go to the beach for 20 seconds while I'm thinking about which things to order. I, uh, hey, yeah. I love that so much. I'm a hundred percent going to give you credit. That is such the ethos of our brand. Yay. Amazing. I, I thought you were going to be like, yeah, it's on there already. <laughs> um, okay. We have a couple more minutes. Um, I challenges along the way. You had a legacy team, you have experts, you are well-funded, you have everything going for you. Talk about like product founder fit. I mean, just everything, but I know this can't be easy. And I know building anything from scratch is, you know, a whole thing. So what were, you know, what were some challenges or some things that you're, you know, pain points even now that you're thinking about and, and trying to solve for? I mean, definitely, I think we are in the same boat as, as everybody else. I think packaging continues mm-hmm. to be very top of mind for Laura, our head of operations, and for me. So we are constantly reviewing it. You know, we have a fantastic, you know, procurement manager that has great relationships in Mexico that, you know, always 
you know, has a batting average of a thousand. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I get that asked a lot by, by, you know, Daniel, my co-founder and Ellie that is on our board. And we could probably be growing or not growing because we're starting from zero, but going twice as fast mm -hmm. if we had more access to talent. I think, mm -hmm. you know, you and I, our conversations in the last six months have really turned from talking about brand and sales and ops to really talking about talent. And we are not immune to that. Yeah. You know, we, we were very lucky at the beginning to have this fantastic team of alumni from Cholula and alumni from Kind that loved our vision and trusted us. But now that we need to build Hire. you know, the rest mm -hmm. of the team. So you know, what we've been focusing on is, OK, different times you know, require different solutions. So, you know, what we think is that hopefully this is going to provide a good opportunity to maybe bringing, give more opportunities to younger professionals and take more risks mm -hmm. on people in your network and in your team that maybe at another time you wouldn't. Right. But also maybe perhaps groups that haven't had opportunities before. So yep. we have a couple of clusters of teammates. Uh, you know, one is in the New York area where I am based and the other one is in the Austin, you know, Texas mm -hmm. area. And there are a lot of heavily Hispanic colleges mm -hmm. that, that we've been targeting as, as, as something, you know, to kind of like bring more diversity to yeah. our team and also you know, bring some young people that are hungry and that maybe, you know, haven't had these kind of opportunities before. And, yeah. you know, I'm kind of hoping that this year, you know, does that and that we're a big part of it. But I think yeah. that if something keeps me up at night is, is that piece. It's amazing that you're saying that too, because, you know, Courtney and I talk a lot about, you know, we, you know, we really want to build a truly diverse team. And that's not just because, you know, we've done good DEI work. It means, you know, we both just genuinely believe that, you know, you don't plant one crop and that more flavors on a plate, more textures on a plate, right? Diversity is just good, period. And I, at least in my experience, CPG, food and beverage, happens to not have as much diversity as other fields or certainly as creative fields, you know, it's, if you're trying to look for, you know, you already are looking for someone with like cold chain experience, a new category, fill this, 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 like it's very hard to, to, you know, find a, forget about like, a group of potential candidates, just even two, you know, yeah. and you're, you sort of feel like I'm lucky that I can, I can find anyone, but what's, what we've kind of discussed is that, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could get ourselves to the place where we can kind of do what you're doing, where you, you have these mentors built in already. You already have a leadership structure of people that can teach and people who can model and people who can get get smart, able, excited people up to speed, even if they don't necessarily have the five years of experience that you might normally be looking for 
because you're able to get them trained up quicker because of who you have on your leadership team. It's, exactly. it's like very, very cool. Um, and then you're changing the CPG system from the inside out, you know, which is something we always talk about. Um, you know, we don't have that weight yet. Um, but we will, hopefully. We are going to um, get there. Yeah, yeah yes. for sure. And, and I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I know. And I am very, very grateful for it. Um, so on that note, I am very thrilled that you were here today. And I'm so excited about your brand and your business. And it couldn't be a more perfect company and you can just feel you are such a good human and it comes through everything. Um, I'm sure Daniel is too, but I know you and I just wish you all the success in the world. And, um, you know, thank you so much for, for coming on for the second time. No, thank you. Uh, thanks for all your support. Thank you for having me. And everyone go to eatsomos.com. Um, yeah. And soon you'll be able to, you know, <laughs> I'll just add something to your website because I know that web development is really quick and easy um, and you're not doing 85 million other things. But, um, you know, thank you, Miguel. Um, Armin, thank you, as always, for engineering. Everyone, thank you for listening. Um, appreciate everything, as always. And I will be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.